<laughs> Welcome to the Yanks are Coming Soccer Show. My name is Carter Krishnire. His name is Neil Blackman. It is U.S. Women's National Team World Cup 2019 roster release night. So, Neil, let's get right to it. Let me get your initial thoughts uh, on the selection, and then we're going to get into some specifics, uh, player specifics after that. Um, I mean, it's a really good team, right? It's a team that uh, it's a team that can win, win another World Cup, fourth star. Um, it's a team that has uh, Alex Morgan and Tobin Heath at, at the height of their powers and abilities, I think. Um, and it's a team that has Lindsey Horan, who might be better than both of them in yeah. terms of being a complete player. So, you know, you have three really epic players, um, which, you know, one of the complaints about the U.S. sometimes is that they don't have – you know, somebody as dynamic as, as, as a heat, that they don't have somebody as complete as a Haran. And it's always been kind of that they have a lot of good players and it's the sum of all parts here. I think this is kind of a unique U.S. team, at least to me, Cardiff, because I'm not sure I love the sum of all parts, even though it's a really good team. But I do think that this is a U.S. team that like you can have that individual moment of brilliance when you're up against it. And maybe that saves the day. Right, so we've got a group uh, group play will kick off in Group F on June 11th. Thailand, Chile, and Sweden, of course, Sweden yeah. being uh, the big competition in that group. Let's go position by position here. Start with the goalkeepers. No surprise there. I think we still have a conversation about who actually has the num- number one shirt on uh, June 11th. Yeah, I mean, look, um, Jill Ellis has been pretty consistent in saying that Alyssa Nair is going to be the uh, goalkeeper. Chicago Red Stars keeper. I think she's probably the most consistent. Um, I think we all kind of agree on that. And then, yeah. but, but, but we also agree that like Ashlyn Harris is the best shot stopper that they have. So um, can you risk Ashlyn Harris who at the club level, at least is prone to the big mistake. Yeah. And that, and that's uh, uh, a really good question. And then obviously uh Adriana Franch, we we talked about on our last show, or the last show we discussed the women's national team, and the look she had gotten, I think she's the third keeper. Uh, but obviously, one to keep an eye on going forward. Uh, some controversy on the back line. Allie Krieger sneaks back into this side. Um, I think this is perhaps uh, an indication that we may not be that confident in the health of Kelly O'Hara. Yeah, I thought that that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, it seems like that's that's pretty that's the pretty obvious takeaway, especially after the Jill Ellis conference call. We're recording uh, what what day is it? Thursday. Night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're recording. It's been a long week, people. Um, we, we're yeah, yeah. We had some local drama. We'll get to that a little later uh, in the show with either Miami. Been, but go ahead. I know it's been a long week. Um, but but yeah. So so she said she said basically as much that that Kelly is recovering from the ankle injury and that they just felt with, with Krieger's experience, that's why they called her back into camp is if Kelly wasn't ready to go. And then Ella said uh, Krieger performed. So, you know, it's interesting because you have that experience there to, to back up at right back. Um, but you also have kind of this blend with, with some real youth because, you know, the youngest player to make a U.S. women's national team World Cup roster since 1995. Tierna Davidson the, uh, is the third center back. Yeah, so lo- what about the left-back position? Looks like we're going to go with Crystal Dunn. 
She'll be the starting left back. No Casey Short in this team. I thought she might uh, – I mean, perhaps she didn't make it because of Krieger. I don't know. But uh, obviously, uh, fullback for fullback, uh, albeit uh, a right footer versus a left footer. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a real um, – you know, quite honestly, it's a shocker uh, that, that she's not in the roster because – and we've talked about it. I mean, the U.S. the U.S. has one real left back now. They have Crystal Dunn. Uh, Ellis talked about her flexibility, which was if bizarre. you consider her a real left back. Sorry, yeah, no, and it was have to throw that in there. right, and it was bizarre because Ellis was talking about how she's the most versatile player she's ever coached. But essentially, she's going to the World Cup with with Crystal Dunn or bust at left. And she talked about how Becky Sauerbrunn could play over there. She talked about how Emily Sonic could play over there, but. You know, if you move Brune over there, you you remove one of the best center backs in the world from her natural position, and she, and Becky hasn't looked as convincing at that spot because she's just not fast enough, Sarik. And yeah. so, so it's just really strange. And then, uh, you know, we could talk. Well, actually, it must be said. And since you know, it's Yanks for coming soccer show, and hopefully, uh, people are pumped for the World Cup. It, it really needs to be said that it, there's an argument to be made that two of the three best left backs that are in the American player pool aren't here. Sophia Huerta's not here and Jalen Hinkle. Oh, yeah, yeah, here. yeah. I think she's and, the best left back in the player pool, but we and, know and why Jaylen, she's Jalen Hinkle, yeah, and Jalen Hinkle is not, is, is probably, not probably. I think Jalen Hinkle is the best left back in the American player pool. Yeah. And she's not here. And it might not make people happy to hear that, but, but the question becomes, like, how do you balance what Hinkle said about the LGBT community? Um how do you balance that with the need to, 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 to put the best players on the field and win? And it's really, I mean, I just read Caitlin Murray's book. Um, I just finished it this week and I would highly recommend uh, Caitlin Murray's new book about the U S women's national team uh, to, to anyone that, that wants to know kind of the inside story of how the U S became the dominant force in the world in women's soccer and, and remains that. And I think, one thing that's really fascinating is there's this story about the post hope solo Brianna Scurry kerfuffle and, you know, Pia Sundage came in and said, Hey, you know, we need to have the best player in goal and we're bringing hope back. Does anybody have a problem with that? And they kind of aired out their grievances. And that was that, you know, I just don't think Jill's a powerful enough figure to do that with Jalen Hinkle. Like I think her hand was forced by the players We'll, we won't know this till years from now, will we, Cardi? Um, no, we won't, but we can speculate about it. And we've been speculating about it for 12 months. And, right. uh, and look, Jalene Hinkle's club form uh, has been off the charts. I mean, we'll talk, we're going to end up talking, I think, a lot about the North Carolina Courage in, in this show because they have such an uh, impact on the players. Talk about not being here as well. Uh, but I... I, I don't think there's anyone close to her. I would say Casey Short's probably that second best left back in in uh, uh, NWSL, but a distant second. And it's and, um, and Casey's been consistent for the national team. Not to interrupt you, that yeah. so I think that's why I say it's a shocker that she's not on the roster because because it's not just about depth. Like, of course, you'd love to have a second left back on the roster because that makes sense. It's also like there's not really anything Casey Short did to warrant not being included. So um, the, the question then becomes, obviously, on Jaylene Hinkle, th- th- this hasn't even been a consideration since last summer. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we, 
Jill has had nine months. Jill Ellis has had nine months to get this figured out, and I'm not sure she figured it out. And this would be one one position I go into the World Cup very concerned about. Now, obviously, you have the uh, uh, you have the ability to move people out there, but I don't think that he is quick enough. I, I agree with you on that. And um, Emily Sonnet, I would assume, would be starting it right back if Kelly O'Hara can't go, and then you you have Ali Krieger for cover. Now, if, if you move her to left back, you've got Ali Krieger starting in the World Cup. So uh, maybe it's all contingent on, on uh, Kelly O'Hara's fitness, the whole back line and, and the, the shuffle. Not, obviously, the center back's not, not included, but uh, the left back position, if Crystal Dunn, you're in a position where you have to push her further forward or she's just not uh, reading the game well enough at left back. Now, I think I want to point out about North Carolina, and we're going to move on from this Jalen Hinkle subject. We don't need to spend the whole show talking about it. But no, it, I, I, think, I think part of Crystal Dunn's success at the club level um, has been because she plays on the same side of the pitch as Jalen Hinkle um, a lot of the time. So uh, with the club, I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, so is she a like-for-like replacement for her on the national team? I've never thought so. Look, um, it's strange that 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 Emily Sonnet is kind of was brought up in a press conference to discuss, you know, different options the U.S. have at left back if they need him. Like at one point in the call, she said, "Well, Tobin Heath could play left back if we really needed her to." And I think uh. you, you could just see <laughs> you could just see like the collective media. No, to Jill's credit, she then said, "I'm actually not going to do that, everyone." And like right. you could. She was just being facetious. She was making a point. Yeah. yeah, she she was saying she has a lot of players with flexibility, but the reality is, like, we've already brought up the problem with moving Becky over there. Like, Emily Sonnet really is the backup right back, right? And I mean, like, at that – and and the fourth center back at best because I think Tierney Davidson is ahead of her. So I think, I think you're looking at, you know, just basically a decision to bring one left back, uh, to, to your point, to the, to the World Cup. Um. You know, and, and it's a strange one, I, I guess. Yeah, uh, but of course, uh, uh, it's something that uh, is a problem position. Look, I, I'll be real honest with you. I do some work with a club right now, a uh, professional club, Miami FC. I think a lot of people w- w- listen know Miami FC. We don't have a left back anymore because our starting left back tore his ACL uh, in, in the first match of the season. You were there, Neil, covering it, and we don't yep. have a left back. That is the most difficult position in both men's and women's uh, soccer, to, in this country at least, and also in much of Europe, to find a specialist to play that plays at a high level, which is why it's so frustrating that Jaylene Hinkle, who, who makes these comments, which you know, it, it don't, I don't agree with, uh, with, with, with her sentiments on, on uh, those issues, and, I, and as we said, most of the U.S. players don't, but it's so frustrating that she's a left back. And she's the best left back in our pool because if it were another position, I think we could absorb this blow better. Um, now, it's a, it's a decision Jill Ellis had to make. Am I advocating putting her back in that dressing room? No. But I'm just saying you do lose something by her not being on the pitch. Uh, yeah, of but- course. And that's I wanted to make that point, too, because, look, her homophobia is the reason that, that she's right. not, yeah, yeah. not in the – her homophobia – is, is the reason she's on a team like Jalen Hinkle makes, you know, a conscious choice and, and that yeah. choice has consequences and the consequences of that choice 
or that she's not in that dressing room. And, and she made a conscious choice to be provocative about it, too. Let's you correct. Know, about something that she knows will offend uh, correct. 90% of the people around the game and her teammates, etc. So I don't want to get into, you know, it, all I'm pointing out is that what you're pointing out, which is that the best left back in the player pool is not in the team. And there was never a, a scenario where Jill Ellis was powerful enough to do the things that they did with Hope Solo, where she had, you know, thrown teammates under the bus and brought her back anyway, like Pia Sundage was able to do with Hope Solo, rather, because Jill just isn't that type of personality and she wasn't going to do it. Um, and I, I think that's good. I mean, I, I wouldn't want her there either. And I think there are. There, there is an argument that, that certain players were brought in for leadership that maybe were surprises, right? Because we can get to the midfield um, where, where the obvious one is Morgan Bryan. Um, it, you know, I wrote, a, I wrote my roster protection that the Yanks are coming Monday and included Morgan Bryan because I would put her on the team because I feel like they need Morgan Bryan if she's healthy. Uh, what, what were your thoughts about that inclusion? Well, I, I expected it. I was with you on that. I think that she gives something uh, in terms of, 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 of a solidity in the midfield and an ability to read the game um, in, in a way that uh, the U.S. doesn't have a lot of that in the player pool. Now, obviously, uh, her being included means uh, McCall Zerboni, which, again, we're talking about North Carolina, uh, didn't, didn't make the roster. And uh, that's a uh, – that. Those are, those are the tough calls you have to make as a national team coach. I think also Morgan Bryan's experience in the 2015 World Cup, she was obviously in a different place in her career, in a different place mentally, coming off a, a great season at the University of Virginia and then coming into the professional game uh, right after that as that World Cup took place. Uh, but I think she's – I think it's a good selection. Uh, I, I want to highlight another selection in the midfield, though, because I'm really happy about this one. I give Ellis a lot of stick for her, her picks, but – I'm really glad to see Allie Long in this team. I think she's been understated and under uh, appreciated for a number of years in NWSL, uh, and also when she's made her appearances with the national team. So I think th- this is a this is a good selection. I, I know it may have been quite surprising. She's now in her 30s. She's never played in a World Cup before, uh, but I think that's a good selection too. Uh, but bringing both of them in means no McCall Zabroni on this team, which. Uh, uh, is a bit of a blow, but you're in a numbers crunch, unfortunately. You know, Allie's cool, and Allie is like a great advertisement for professional women's soccer, right? Yes. Like, she's the reason. And, it, and that's not, one thing that's so cool about the Murray book is like she isolates a lot of these people, and we keep giving Caitlin shout outs, but read the book, people. Um, but I, And I, I'm in the middle of reading it, and you're giving away a lot that I haven't gotten to yet, but so, that's fine. So, no, and look, I mean, look, um, historically, when there's been a league, a, a women's league that's functional and you know we have to remember wps was functional for a little while and so anyway the point being you know becky sauerbrunn kind of reinvigorates her national team career that way um and obviously ali long isn't of that stature but the reason that she makes this world cup roster is because of nwsl that the, there's just no question that that's true she was able to transform her career in NWSL from, you know, a classic A to more of a holding midfielder. The U.S. doesn't really have that many holding midfielders. Um, so why not, you know, bring Allie Long in? And with Allie capable of holding and with Morgan Bryan, who is, you know, going to be your best ball retainer, right, 
uh, in the player pool, really. Um, I know. Some and, you, and your best false circulator, too. Yeah, I mean, if Lindsey Horan isn't, Morgan Bryan right. is. And so, so you know, it, it may, I, I, I'm with you. I'm happy for Allie. And I'm also, it, it, while at the same time being gutted for McCall Zerboni, just because she had just played so well. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just that, that, that phone call must have been really terrible. It, it must have been, and especially when she has so many teammates with the courage of uh, going to this World Cup. Uh, now, you mentioned Lindsey Horan as, a, as a, someone who can retain the ball. That is correct. But I, my, my sense is because you have, um, you have Morgan Bryan in this team, you have uh, Julie Ertz in this team, and you, pot- you potentially have Allie Long at some and point. Sam, uh, and Sam Mewis. And Sam Mewis as cover for both of them. And Sam Mewis, absolutely essential. I know we, we basically did a whole podcast on that, <laughs> that she has to be in the team. She's in the team. Now let, let's see her in the 11. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to that as we get closer to the World Cup and you'll be on the ground in France. Uh, but you have those four. I think that means you're going to see Lindsay Horan in a very, in a very advanced role, making Mewis's job and Brian's job, uh, whichever one of those two play, uh, much more critical in terms of recycling the ball, winning the ball, and, and and really kind of just keeping some sort of really good positional sense, which I think is what both of them give you. Mewis uh, is more of a pit bull. She's going to win the ball a lot, and she's going to keep the shape in, in midfield. I think Morgan Bryan is going to do a really good job of holding the ball and circulating the ball side to side. And uh, for those uh, uh, people who say, oh, you need to just – you just need players who, who bomb the ball forward or are always passing forward. That's not true. Watch Javi's passing throughout his career. Right. He probably paid more passes uh, laterally than he did forward. Um, Sergio, Busquets is, Sergio Busquets yeah. is pretty good at soccer. Yeah, he's a pretty good soccer player, right? <laughs> and he doesn't – I mean, he does a lot of what uh, Morgan Bryan can do when she's on. Now, of course, Neil, there is the concern about her form and her dips in form, but – uh, I think Jill has made a pretty big call here, and it's a call uh, from hearing you and, and, and my views. I think we both agree with. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think Morgan should be there. I'm glad she's there. Um, one thing I wrote at Yanks for coming that seems to be general agreement about is that that's the type of player when you call in, and it's kind of surprising that the locker room's not going to say a word because they know why they won the 2015 World Cup. <laughs> yeah, and, it was... uh, and a lot of it had to do with Morgan Bryan. I, look, you could, if you were to say who's the most complete central midfielder the Americas, the Americans have, right? I would say that the answer is is Morgan Bryan when healthy, but the answer right now is Sam Mewis, and so you kind of choose between those two players. And I think this is probably what maybe is the most frustrating thing about Jill Ellis right now is that. She doesn't seem to necessarily be inclined to start Samantha Mewis. And I don't think she's bringing Morgan Bryan to France to start her. I think she's bringing her to help kill games off. And she's uh, the right person to do this. We talk about keeping possession, circulating the ball is important. Now I've got to get your take on Jessica McDonald. I, I said we're going to keep going with the North Carolina <laughs> Courage theme. And we are. Let's do it. Uh, she's a player I like an awful lot in NWSL. I uh, am glad to see her in this team, I guess, because I think she's earned her way to a World Cup. But then at the same time, tactically, I don't see where she plays uh, uh, unless you're trying to counterattack late in matches, again, to kill matches or 
for whatever circumstance in the knockout stage that you need a counterattacking threat because uh, there's so many complete attacking players on that forward line that would presumably play ahead of her. Yeah, uh, I would. I would. Uh, oh, go, go, go no, no, I would have left her at home. Um, but that's like the hottest take I'm gonna have on the show is that uh, <laughs> is that I would and and I know people are gonna be like. Neil, did you really write about Jurgen Klinsmann not bringing enough forwards for like three years and never let it go? And then advocate openly Jill Ellis bringing only three forwards to the World Cup? And yes, the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> because they have Alex Morgan, who's not coming off the field. Um, they have uh, Carly Lloyd, who can come in and poach if they need to catch find a goal, um, who can play, give you 20, 30 minutes. And then they have Kristen Press. I, I just don't see why in the universe they need to bring another forward. But but I know that that's probably a contrarian take. And I'm willing to accept that. In terms of her actual inclusion on the team, uh, I mean, you've, you've pointed it out. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And she's another one who's really benefited from the National Women's Soccer League, right? It gave her yeah. the opportunity because she was tremendous. And, and she has earned this spot, all right? Now, I know I just said she shouldn't. I wouldn't have taken her, but that doesn't mean that I don't think she's earned the right to be there. I mean, those, you know, those things aren't mutually exclusive. Um, and I, you know, I think, I think she's good. I'm not really sure. Uh, like you said, I'm not sure what she, what she brings, um, you know, what her role will be. Uh, certainly she plays really hard. So you could see her being like the isolated forward. If the U S are just bunkered in to defend, maybe, um, maybe that's the role. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and you and you play balls forward her, and she runs onto him. Uh, speaking of uh, of trying to determine roles for this World Cup, very experienced, very useful player Mal Pugh, we've seen uh, shuffled around a little bit recently in terms of uh, 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 where she's playing on the pitch. Uh, what role do you see for her in the World Cup? For for I'm sorry for for Mal for for Mal Pugh. Oh, for uh, yeah. So, well, I mean, I just wish Jill would decide. Um, so Pew's it's remarkable. She has 50 caps and is 20, what she 22. Yeah. Okay. 20, 21, 21, maybe she might even be 21 still, <laughs> um, from a technical standpoint, she's, you know, one of the most brilliant players the U S has ever produced in its youth system. Um, and she could take somebody on one-on-one, uh, she can blow by you cause she's fast. Uh, I, I just don't know. I don't know where they play her because Megan Rapinoe is so good, and because Tobin Heath's not coming off the field, right? So, what do you do with her? Do you do you stick her in behind Alex Morgan? Um, you know, I mean, it's so hard to to figure out a spot for her in the starting eleven. And what we saw at the She Believes Cup was: Does Jill want to start Mal Pugh and not start Sam Mewis? Because we, I think, we both kind of think that doesn't make sense. <laughs> No, it doesn't. Um, but again, Mal Pugh has been around for however many years now. She was on the Olympic team. She's um, 21. Yeah, the, the age. She's 21. Oh, wow. So she would have been 18. Uh, yeah, she would have been 18 during the Olympics. Right. So she, it feels like she's been around for a while now. It feels like she broke in right after the 15 World Cup, and she has been. Um, but do you play her as kind of an attacking player that allows uh, Lindsay Horan to maybe do a little more um, ha- have a, have a little more freedom in the attack 
Uh, or is she going to crowd into that space if you were to play her uh, in that role? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just very curious about her development as to positionally where to play her because we've seen her played all over and she's now been in this national team for four years. She's only 21. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I believe uh, <laughs> if I think about this correctly, if I remember her birthday is in, 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 in toward the beginning of the NWSL season, she must have just turned 21. Uh, wow. Uh, but yeah, so that, that, that's a question. And then when we talk a little bit about um, Chris, Kristen press, what sort of role do you think she plays? Because Neil, uh, for years, you and I have discussed what's the best role for Kristen Press, both with the national team and uh, with, with her club teams. So uh, where do you think she, uh, she fits in here? Well, I think she's, you know, I mean, I've, I think we did a, an early TYC podcast with Richard Farley, our friend Richard Farley, and talked about how, uh, how we, we kind of feel like she, she has these number nine tendencies and qualities. Which is yeah. why I was, I'm trying to sell the the three forward thing, and and I lost. I get it, Jill. I surrender. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Kristen's gonna be the first player off the bench, right? She's gonna come. Yeah. She was in the She Believes Cup. She was pretty consistently in the friendlies, the first sub. So I think I think she's the first sub. And um, what what have we said about Kristen repeatedly uh, when when we talk about? you know, the U S women's national team, or when we talk about her club, she's so profoundly confident at everything. Yeah. Um, but not necessarily elite at anything. Right. Uh, she's just a great soccer player, uh, but she's not as good as Alex Morgan as a number nine. And she's not going to displace Megan Rapinoe or Tobin Heath on the wing. And I think, Jill Ellis kind of finally made peace with that, and so did Christian Press. So if there's a player, I think, at this World Cup that could really, like, astonish, I really think it might be Kristen because she's really embraced this role. So who might astonish at this World Cup for me is the star of CONCACAF qualifying, Rose Lavelle. She's now well, – she's in that same age group. She's, like, 23, same age group as uh, Mal Pugh, uh, 22 23 i think she might break out in this world cup what role do you see for her because i don't think she's necessarily uh the 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 first name on everyone's team sheet but i have a feeling that she's going to play a big role if the u.s uh, lifts the cup again well look i think you know as long as she doesn't get hurt um you know i think uh she's gonna start instead of samantha mewis because that's the way that the fourth is gonna work and julie Ertz is obviously gonna start and so, so you're saying Earth Lavelle Horan in that for, midfield? Yeah, that's that's your that's your group of three, right? And then you have Morgan, and Heath, and Press, and then you have your defense. So I think that's not what I would do. I would use Rose off the bench in spurts, um, especially as like a creative player. Like, how do you get that knockout run goal in the in the second half? Like, imagine the like way that Christian Press and Rose Lavelle can change a game. Like, it just makes too much sense to me. But, um, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting dilemma. Well, no, it's a dilemma, I think, that comes out later in the tournament. I, I, I think when you're talking about the group stage, two of those three group stage matches, you can probably play without a legitimate holding presence. Yeah. Now, when you play Sweden, you might want Sam Mewis in that team instead of Rose Lavelle. 
And then going into the knockout stages, you might have to determine based on on opposition. We talked about 2015, having Morgan Bryan in the team in the latter stages of the knockout stage not only gave you that holding presence and that ability to, to quickly turn uh, uh, when you win possession, quickly kind of turn things around, but then it also pushed Carly Lloyd into a, a position where uh, she was uh, in a more attacking role and, and we saw the results. Uh, so I'm thinking, my, my thought process here is that probably Rose Lavelle is in that three uh, in the group stage, and then you see Sam Mewis or Morgan Bryan, more likely Sam Mewis in the knockout stage. That having been said, for a couple of years, we've wondered if Jill Ellis has uh, a full accounting or full respect for Sam Mewis's <laughs> game. Um, so that's the question, right? Maybe, maybe Sam Mewis isn't going to start at all. And we're going to be, uh, you're going to come back from France and we're going to record a podcast uh, for a half an hour about how Sam Mewis not being in the team is why the U.S. didn't win the World Cup. It's because, well, whatever friend, I think our friend uh, Kimberly McCauley was, was making like jokes about how, I don't even know if Kimberly was joking about whether or not like Jill doesn't like Paul Riley. So, yeah, I mean, well, we, we talked about the calls of Boney not being selected. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, eh. uh, so, so look, I, here's my argument for Mewis in the group stage, and I know people are gonna get reactionary about this, and that's fine. Man, Cardick, I'm dropping so many hot takes. So like. <laughs> I thought I wasn't going to do that because it's not really our like emo. Um, and we're not, we're not talking about intern. We're doing hot takes. Wow. No, look. Uh, so Julius was the most important player on the U.S. Women's National Team for most of this cycle, and I don't I don't think she is at the World Cup. I think it's Tobin Heath, and I think you and I agree on that. Um, and I want you to talk about Heath in a minute in, in terms of what she brings and how different she is than anything the U.S. has ever really seen. Um, or certainly in a while, uh, but 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 Ertz is sort of Jermaine Jones-ish, right? Like that's yeah, she's a consummate ball winner. Uh, she she flies into tackles. She she breaks up attacks. She she's all over the field. And the thing about being all over the field, as we saw at the She Believes Cup, is that that leaves lots of space. And when you're leaving lots of space, it places a lot of demands on your defense. And you're placing a lot of demands on your defense when you're not certain about your goalkeeper situation. And you're not really terribly confident in Abby Dahlkamper uh, next to Becky Sauerbrunn, if we're being really honest about it. And I think that's a weakness in the U.S., and I think Sam Mewis addresses that. Yeah, and I really kind of agree with that that analysis. I mean, I think we've also seen – with uh and okay you, you threw uh, kimberly mccauley good friend of ours and good friend of the show uh throughout this paul riley thing Let, let's, <laughs> let's talk about that for a minute because it seems like paul riley gets the most out of the personnel we're talking about and understands the roles they play in uh first with west western new york and the players that that, that have continued on with him uh with, with north carolina and um sam Hewis, and i've said this to people uh, that's the team that's dominated NWSL the last three years. Obviously, they lost the one final to Portland, but they were the better team that season. Um, Sam Mewis is the heart and soul of that team, right? She, she's the heartbeat of what everything, and we talked about Jaylene Hinkle's importance to them earlier. We've talked about Jessica McDonald's importance to them in, in discussing her inclusion on this roster. But to me, uh, and we talked about McCall Zerboni, who's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm gutted for her, as you are, but to me, Sam Mewis is the linchpin, the glue uh, on that side and why that side 
is so tactically good and also so dominant in how they play the game and is one of the best women's teams we've seen at the club level in women's world football, in my opinion. So um, the assets she brings, which you've just outlined, and and the things that she does that Julie Ertz uh, doesn't do or she could complement what Julie Ertz Ertz already brings to the table, um, I think are so important if you're going to get from a quarterfinal to winning the World right. Cup and the World right. Cup. So maybe she's a knockout stage player, but yes, I my preference would be for her to start the whole way, but I'm just giving you what I said that what I thought the, No, and, the, and your the, your argument your argument for it in the group stage is fine because the US group is not that difficult. Um but I think maybe when you know when the rubber meets the road in the key group stage match, the the one match in the group stage that they can really lose you know, I, I just think you got to go Mewis. And, and I point again to the She Believes Cup as sort of that dress rehearsal because, I mean, Jill Ellis said after the game in Tampa, you know, I learned a lot about our team in this tournament and especially tonight. And the especially tonight part was interesting because they shut out Brazil. And I know everybody, uh, yeah, well, Brazil's down. Well, they are, but because they have Marta, they could still score goals. Right. And in fact, had scored goals on both their previous opponents in that tournament. And the U.S. was able to get the clean sheet that night. Um, I mean, Ashton Harris made one spectacular save, but otherwise, you know, they were the, the Americans were in control pretty thoroughly, and it was because, you know, Julie Ertz is running around like a wrecking ball, and, and Sam Mewis is just there to calm stuff down. Yeah. Um, and I think that that, that just means such a bit. That just means so much to it frees Ertz up to be herself, and then you don't have to worry about. Lindsay Horan because um, you know if there's a player that we there are two players we haven't talked about are, are Horan and and uh, and Heath and, and let's start with Heath I mean is this you know when is the last time the U.S. had a player this good in a World Cup in their prime I think the answer is kind of quite a while 99 I mean she, <laughs> she's yeah honestly 2011 she, with Abby maybe yeah okay that I'll give you that and, and obviously um Abby's injuries prior to that had, had, had hurt our, our tournament prospects. Uh, and so that was going to be her moment, right? And it was. Um, I, I think right now we're going to hit, on the, for me, the two best players uh, the U.S. has in, in Lindsey Horan and Tobin Heath. So you said we're starting with, with, with Tobin Heath? Yeah, let's start with Tobin. Okay, so um, I, she has a creativity and an ingenuity that very few U.S. players have had in the last decade. Men or women? Either way. Well, yeah, yeah, the men too, right? I'm just thinking about the women, but yeah. yeah. Well, well, the men, they're, they're none. Or period. American yeah, period. player ever. Yeah. So she has a creativity and an ingenuity that we haven't seen in the American player pool, women or men, since uh, Hugo Perez, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and she reads the game more quickly than, uh, than the vast majority of players I've seen play for the United States, uh, men or women. And the thing she does is she's able to read the game from a wide position, which is so brilliant. When she cuts inside, she, her technical ability is, is, I think, the best on this team. Her ability to pick a pass is the best on this team. Her ability to identify space and make runs is, is among the best on this team. I, I would put Megan on, uh, up there with her and, and also uh, certainly uh, Lindsey Horan in, in a different position. And I think her ingenuity, her genius – 
which is a word we've heard a lot in the last 24 hours because we're recording this after Lionel Messi did what he did to, to Liverpool. Yeah. She has that kind of guile and ingenuity that very few players that have come from this country, men or women, have ever had. And even the ability to, you know, to pick out a, a, a point to back you a hole, right? You know, right. things I, like look, that. I, and I think that's an important that, – it's important to talk about it that way because we're going to have listeners for this particular podcast. And welcome to everybody. Um, that you know, insurers listen more casually, especially when an unfortunate—it's unfortunate reality. But especially when we talk about women's soccer, and you know, that's okay. We welcome them because they really should be embracing what's about to happen in the next month. And I'm glad you brought up Leo Messi because when you watch Tobinis play, she's magical. She's she's a hold your breath player. And, you know, I mean, we always, men or women, we're always like, when do the Americans have these? Like, even, you know, Pia Sundage was always like, well, the Americans win because their their motor is insane. Like, Heather O'Reilly will run for 100 years, right? right. Um, it just doesn't, it, it's the 122nd minute against Brazil in the quarterfinals and Megan Rapinoe steamrolling down the left flank, right? Like, how do you do that? Tobin Heath does all that stuff, except she's just magical. Um, she just pulls things out of thin air and, and we haven't talked much about Megan Rapinoe and that's another player people can watch. And I, you know, Megan, uh, is playing some of some really great soccer right now, even, even at 33, I do think you want to manage her minutes in the group stage. Uh, yeah, I, I think you do, but at the same time, uh, you don't want to, uh, damage chemistry that she, uh, her on one flank, yeah. Tobin Heath on the other, um, and either Christian Press or, or Alex Morgan centrally. You don't want to ruin that camaraderie, but I, I, you know they'll recapture it in the in, in the knockout stage. And you have to uh, you have to rotate your players in, in in a tournament like this. The most brilliant U.S. rotation of players. Now I'm going to the men's game. Is going to be looking back was 2002, and Bruce Arena uh, got that team to the quarterfinals. I think a lot of times because he just pushed the right button and said, "Okay, this guy played well in the last game, but I'm making a, a, a change." Right. And and kept the team fresh to where the best performance the U.S. gave in that World Cup was in the match they were knocked out against Germany uh, in the quarterfinal. I mean, quite honestly, had not played that well uh, in the group stage, and then uh, but then played well against Mexico and played even better against Germany. Uh, so I think, yeah, that, that, that that's a consideration, uh, certainly with, with, with Megan. Let's talk about Lindsay Horan, because she's my favorite player. I, I, I'm on a dash well, saying that. Let's let, let's let you do it if, if it's your favorite player, because we're going to finish this with me talking about my favorite player. So, and it's the player, okay. it's a player we haven't talked about and you know who it is. So let's go. I know who it is, but the listeners don't. So Lindsay Horan is, um, She's now coming into her home. She's not in her prime yet. She's she's 24, uh, but the brilliance I've seen from her, uh, in, in NWSL, and, and she's shown it also for the national team. I, I don't want to say that this is just a a, a Portland Thorns thing and, and a thing that that I maybe uh, obsess about because she went to PSG for a few years, and I want to see <laughs> more and more of our players go to Europe uh, when yeah. they're young and pick up these different skills. But I think she's she reads the game from an attacking midfield position fundamentally differently than and we've had so many great american players in that role but she reads it quicker differently and she has an ability to hold the ball keep the ball make runs into uh in tight spaces and then also move off the ball into the types of spaces that we don't do 
where, you know, you, you quoted Pia earlier, where we were trying to out-athlete or outrun people, but there's yeah. more intelligent running from Lindsay Horan, I think, than a lot of American women we've seen in the past. She's really good on the ball. She's really good at picking out a pass. And the, the thing that um, I just absolutely love about her is that she's got the ability to knock, uh, and we saw this from Carly Lloyd, right, in the last World Cup, but she's got the ability to stand over the ball from, from 20 feet, uh, or from 20 yards out, and, and put the, uh, did I really say feet? Uh, 20 <laughs> yards out, and, 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 and pick, out a, pick out a spot in the back of the net and beat the keeper, or similarly, play a nice little lofted ball into space, into the, into the run of Tobin Heath, uh, and she'll knock it home. And, and obviously, uh, those two have a chemistry uh, uh, from, from, from their playing together. So uh, there's just a lot about Lindsay Horan's game for new, new viewers that they're going to like. And if you're a casual viewer and you've watched the U.S. through the years, you watched them in 11, you watched them in 15, you watched them in 7, and you know how 7 ended up. Uh, we talked about the, the uh, Brianna Scurry uh, Hope Solo thing earlier. This is a this is a different kind of player than what you've seen in that sort of role. And and uh, again, I'm maybe partial to her because I love the fact that she went overseas and was following her at PSG. And when Orlando, uh, the Orlando Pride started, I'm like, great, they're going to get her. They got that allocation. They traded it away to Portland, and of course, uh, uh, the rest is history. But yeah, I just think she's she could be the player. Her, her and Tobin Heath are going to be the two most influential players and the players that either uh, win the U.S. the World Cup or, or the ones that get the U.S. close to winning this World Cup. Not to uh, downplay the contributions of the other uh, tw- 21 players on this roster, but I think those are the two most important pieces. Well, I'm not going to let you downplay the, the contributions of my favorite player, who we will talk about last. From baby horse to thoroughbred, is it her time? Um, 29 years old, Alex Morgan enters the World Cup in her prime as well. She's played some of the best soccer of her life this cycle. Um, you know, there's these great stories about Alex in the 2011 World Cup where Pia didn't even give her tactical instructions, just like <laughs> sit her out on the <laughs> No, I mean, Pia was just like, just get out. Just get out there and Clint Dempsey shit, right? Like, just yeah. go just go do stuff. Just go be you. And, and, uh, and I mean, she did, right? Like she changed, yeah. <laughs> she changed the complexion of a World Cup final. Um, she was a huge reason that they got to the World Cup final. Um, the entire she, knockout stage, she changed the complexion. Really, and and then in 2015, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, she was also also instrumental in them qualifying for that tournament. If we if we're if we're being honest, so uh, you know, because they had to play Italy, so. So we're we're kind of in this situation where um, Alex went to the 2015 World Cup and the team won, but but Morgan only scored one goal, um, and and you know she said that it personally her performances were disappointing, but of course there's nothing disappointing about winning the World Cup, uh, and she was pegged as a global superstar before that World Cup. We all know that she's a she's a cultural icon um, in in the sense that you know, in like a Mia Hamm sense. I mean, she's, if you say Alex Morgan, in most households that follow sports, uh, they know who she is. Um, Let me ask you a question real quickly, Neil. If you say the name of any, any U S men's player, do they know who that person is? I think that we're not really there with Christian Pulisic yet. What do you think? No, we're not. So, uh, you know, there's a lawsuit 
And uh, this is one of the points I would make is that, you know, you're talking about Alex Morgan. She's a cultural icon. You're talking about she Carly is. Lloyd. Yeah. Everyone know every, every sports fan in this country knows who she is. And they're going to know Lindsey Horan and Tobin Heath by the end of the summer. And uh, they are. anyway, anyway, maybe we'll talk legalities no, later. But this a, is part of the reason why the women have such a great case. It's such a good point. And it's, it's why, like, when well, – well, we'll get to that at the end because I want to finish talking about Alex. Uh, you know, look um, – she she was a huge reason they qualified in 2011, a huge reason they made the World Cup final, really at the horrible, disappointing Olympics that they had. Um, you know, she she was one of the only Americans that played well. Uh, she scored a couple goals. And, you know, I think she scored three times last year at the Tournament of Na- Nations. So she's shown in the last couple years and throughout her career that she can raise her game to the highest level against elite teams. But I think what's really impressed about her, and she's another player who went overseas and received instruction. How do I get better? How do I improve? And, you know, I think her off-ball work is is so much better now than it was four years ago. Um, you know, we all know she can score goals. She's got 100 goals at 29, right? Like, she's, she's going to give Abby a run if she wants to play that long. Um, but I think, I think this is such a cool moment for her because – because of what Carter just said. I mean, she's not the best player on the team. She's not the second best player on the team. You know, she's the third best player. And yeah. and, and and maybe the fourth best player, depending on where you evaluate Becky at this stage in her career. So it's kind of – that's just kind of cool to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're talking about attacking players, right? Yeah. Becky's, and, Becky's and, in that mix, right. Yeah. Right. And, and so, so, I mean, it's just kind of cool to me. And I'm really pumped up to see – you know, I'm sure everybody can tell from my voice. Like, I'm so fired up to see what Alex Morgan does at this World Cup because I just feel like it's her. It's it's her time. She's the three-time Concacaf Player of the Year. Obviously, she shouldn't have won last year. <laughs> Lindsay Horan should should have won. Yeah. She she's the U.S. Female Athlete of the Year multiple times. Obviously, Lindsay Horan should have won last year. But it's just kind of cool that you know here here's Alex Morgan. You know, probably the second most famous or the most famous. American soccer player. Um, and she's going to go to a World Cup at 29 with a chance to just take it over. Right. And at 21, she became yeah. a legend with what she did in the 2011 World Cup. Right. Uh, and it's funny comparing 2011 and 2015. I, I don't want to get too deep into this. Um, and actually, this is probably for another show right before uh, you go over to France to cover this uh, tournament for us and other, other publications. Neil, is that. Uh, 2011, when I think about it, there's so many positive things I take from the 2011 World Cup, whereas 2015, we won it. But I, you know, you and I watched some of those matches together. There's still so much built in frustration from what happened in the group stage and what happened at the beginning of the knockout stage. And we always have to preface every discussion with until Morgan Bryan got put into the team because it was a forced change. Uh, things weren't looking right. So it's funny. I just, when you're mentioning Alex Morgan and bursting on the scene at 21 uh, in that 2011 World Cup and Pia just not giving her tactical instructions, that just remem- that just reminded me how much I loved that World Cup until the end for us. Until yeah, well, game. I mean, it, it was, it's the best, the, it's the best an American soccer team has played in, in an international tournament since, I mean, really, Cardick mentioned it, the, the group stage of, of, or sorry, the knockout stage of the 2006 World Cup. You could argue that the that the 2010 men's team played very well for for what they had for the uh, limitations they had. Yeah, Cardick and I have have uh, have you know <laughs> basically talked novels uh, out through through that tale. But certainly, 
the the best soccer we've ever seen an American team play on the on the on the global stage in at least this century uh, came at the 2011 World Cup, I think. Um, you know, saving the World Cup final where where Carly Lloyd went nuts. What's amazing to me, Cardick, and I'm glad you brought that point up, is that like this is the standard for the U.S. Women's National Team. Like we. We had these generationally incredible players in Alex Morgan, Tobin Heath, and Lindsey Horan. And, you know, really Horan kind of almost being a generation behind them. And, yeah. and you know, if, if they go and they have a sour taste in their mouth from the Olympics, which I think a lot of people have forgotten about over their panic over Ellis's tactics, yeah. this is a very motivated group. Um, but also, you know, one that's not invincible. And it's those little you know, fragile vulnerabilities that people nitpick away at because the expectation is excellence or nothing. Yeah. I, 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 and, and I think that we judge this women's team and this women's program very differently than we judge the men's program and very differently than we judge MLS teams when they're performing in, in CONCACAF Champions League. And, uh, you know, I, I got caught, so to speak, with my pants down, figure of speech, <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago when I told uh, uh, someone who follows CONCACAF closely, you know, I'm really proud of how well Red Bull, uh, the Red Bulls have played in, in the Champions League the last few years. They, they've gone toe-to-toe with the Mexican side, but they always lose. <laughs> it's what he told me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, that's true. But, you know, they, they've given a punch. You know, they've been punched in the mouth <laughs> a lot worse. But, yeah, so our expectations are different, I think, around the women's program. And this is a good place to, to segue to um, talking about what you're going to be doing uh, in France, uh, it, during the month of the World Cup. Yeah, let's do it. So I'm going to be there for, for Yanks are coming in, uh, in other publications. But, but um, you know, you say, if, you, if you read Yanks are coming, you, you've read some of the way that I decided to tell soccer stories at the, at the World Cup last summer. And one of the ways I did it, you know, and it, a lot of it was a born of the U.S. not being there. Um, you know, because people are like, oh, were you so depressed last summer because the U.S. wasn't there? And I think Cardick and I actually, I remember like you and I had lunch uh, one time last summer and kind of almost said we enjoyed it a little bit, like in a, in a like guilty way. <laughs> yeah. Because there was there was a way of watching um, what was happening and, and being able to just kind of enjoy the stories. Uh, and, and so I want to try to enjoy, I'm going to tell soccer stories. I'm going to tell stories about American players and I'm going to write, you know, recaps of American games and analysis like I normally do. But I I want you guys to get to know these 23 women, um, that, that are representing the United States. So I'm going to tell their stories as, as best as I can and as best as they'll let me. And then I'm going to tell some other stories, you know, I, I might, you know, I'm certain I'm going to write a story about the French national team, who I think um, are one of the favorites to win. I I would imagine that, you know, I'm going to write a story about how one of the Neville brothers ended up leading maybe the tournament favorite. Uh, so, you know, that's that's what I'm going to be doing. And I really hope that people enjoy it because we're Alabama. Like, you know, we come from a college football car- culture, Cardick and I. So yeah. uh, in the South, and we're, we're Alabama. Like the U.S. Women's National Team is Alabama. Like we suffer wins and obsess over losses and ties, yep. and that's going to happen no matter what this summer. Like the U.S. could win three nothing against Thailand, 
and someone will write a column about how ragged the back line looked for half an hour. Well, we, you and I did that in 2015. I mean, we, we yeah. were, we were, oh, and I just said it again a, a few minutes ago. I was, we were pulling apart every performance in the group stage where we got seven points in a good, in a very tough group, and then pulling apart the performance against Columbia in the knockout stage, saying, well. You know, if this had happened, we would have lost. And then the China performance had started right. with Amy Rodriguez skying a chance in the first minute. And <laughs> we picked apart that performance. So that's that's kind of the culture around U.S. women's soccer. But then once we got to Germany and, and Japan, the, the semifinals and finals, there was nothing to pick apart. <laughs> really. Right, right. I mean, we were writing, you know, sonnets to, to Kelly O'Hara, right? But uh, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, I think and look, I'm going to write those stories this summer and, and I'm going to write you know, I'm going to keep doing what TYC has done for, for 10 years um, in terms of covering the U.S. women's national team. But if I learn anything in the U.S. missing the World Cup, I hope what I learned, and I, and I don't know about you, Carter, because you've been covering the game longer than me and, and been a really loyal and good servant to this sport in this country. Oh, I appreciate um, that. And, and what I learned last summer was, man, the World Cup is special. And, you know, like, just try not to miss it. And so when your team is as good as the U.S. is, I feel like there's even more pressure on you to, like, remember that. Yeah, and, and that's, that's a great place to leave off with this. Uh, before we go, Neil, I want to really quickly uh, mention what's going on here with, with our Major League Soccer team. Uh, you and I both live in – well, you live in the city of Fort Lauderdale. I live in uh, Coral Springs, one of the largest suburbs of Fort Lauderdale. Uh, there is a lot going on with Inter-Miami and their, their move to, to Fort Lauderdale to Lockhart Stadium. You, uh, we, we both covered a hearing uh, that, w- that was held uh, Wednesday night, and there have been other uh, developments. We're going to do another podcast on that in the very near future, probably in the next few days. Yeah. Uh, but uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, that should be coming pretty quickly. Uh, this is Thursday. We're recording this, the roster of Selection Day, and that we might record Saturday or Sunday. Yep, and we are, and and look, I think that there will be a ruling tomorrow. Uh, there's an emergency motion that's been filed by FXC Football. They were one of the groups that bid on the space where Lockhart Stadium is, obviously the historic stadium where the Strikers, Fort Lauderdale Strikers, played in, in the old NASL and the new NASL. Um, and uh, so, so anyway, the, the bottom line is that Inter Miami won the they won their that's the proposal they got picked i guess they didn't win because it wasn't competitive but that got picked. Right, it was scored there was first and FXC it was, was second, it, right. right it was scored first fxc sued alleging that the procedure for ranking proposals was not followed properly uh and the judge will make a ruling tomorrow i expect him to rule that fxc was not harmed legally by the failure to follow those procedures, even though they weren't followed, which then leaves <laughs> FXC with the decision. Do they appeal that finding of harm? Do they file a motion for reconsideration, which is what I would do, asking for, for another evidentiary hearing where they can put on more evidence of harm and have more time to? Or do does their counsel, or at least this lawyer, punt because he's got other oars in the water elsewhere, leaving FXC scrambling to find new counsel. Uh, I think any of those scenarios are in play, but what I'm pretty confident in is that Inter-Miami wins tomorrow, which means that, you know, Lockhart Stadium will probably be demolished in the next week or so. 
Yeah, which is uh, sentimental for both of us. I obviously, a lot of yeah. our listeners know this. I worked for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers on three different occasions, uh, 2010, 2011, uh, 2014, and then again in 2016. So, uh, you know, in between me leaving to do political stuff is really <laughs> how you explain why I had so many splits in my time. But uh, that place is like a second home to me. At the same time, uh, it is beyond disrepair. It is a historic stadium. It is a hallowed ground for American soccer. It is also badly in need of either renovation or being completely torn down and rebuilt. So uh, both proposals had that. uh, And uh, one way or another, that's going to happen. And it looks like it's going to be in in or barring uh, an emergency injunction being granted to uh, to FXE uh, to to prevent the city and and inter-Miami from knocking that down. We'll we'll get to that in the next show. But again, uh, Neil, where can uh, folks find you on Twitter? Yeah, so uh, you guys can find me at NW Blackman or follow, um, you know, just follow the website account at Yanks for Coming. And that's the one I would really encourage people to follow uh, this summer because most of the tales from France uh, starting in Reims are going to be um, on that account. So um, I hope everybody really enjoys this show as much as Cardick and I enjoyed talking about it. I can tell that, like, you and I are ready for the ball to kick. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm ready for this World Cup. I've been ready for this World Cup for a while. Uh, real <laughs> briefly, before we go, uh, for those of you who are new listeners, uh, we said that they're, they're, the U.S. is uh, obviously the gold standard, the Alabama. The other two uh, highly touted favorites are England and France. France is, of course, hosting this World Cup. I would throw Australia in that mix also, although I do think they're a step behind. Well, they they're, have the best player, right? They have the best uh, player. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Kerr is the best player in the world, and they have uh, and they have a really good complete squad also. But I would say, you know, it's U.S., England, France. Those are those are my three favorites, and probably come down to those. You can find me on Twitter, KKFLA seven three seven. The site is YanksAreComing.com, and the Twitter hang- handle is at uh, at the YanksAreComing. Correct? At Yank, just YanksAreComing. At, at YanksAreComing. Uh, so check us out there. Uh, this is the Yanks Are Coming Soccer Show. I'm Carter Krishnayer. He's Neil Blackman. We'll be back with you uh, again with you later this weekend. Thanks again for listening.